and keep it high. We're trying to get a count for how many people. So keep, even kids, you know, raise them real high for me if you would. Thirty. We'll call it. We'll call it fifty somewhere in there. Sixty or so. Yeah, sure. That was really scientific. Good job. Um, well, welcome. Uh, <laughs> we okay. Um, I guarantee you that there will be some people who don't remember that we started at five. So we've got to do. What was the second song we did? Shine, Jesus, shine. We're closing with that one. Okay, we got it. That was. How about it for the band, man? That was so hot. That was awesome. Um, what my outfit lacks in, you know, true 80s style, my butt part haircut definitely and mullet really have it going on. So thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, a couple of things that you should know. Uh, as we go to Skateville tonight, remember bring some uh, cash or I think they take credit cards as well. Uh, and if, if, and I'm serious about this, if it's an issue, uh, it's four bucks a person and if that's what's keeping you from coming, please don't. Uh, please come. Uh, we'll take care of it. Uh, that'll be our gift to you. So um, next week is Resurrection Sunday, baby. Yes! This is... this. I get fired up about Easter and, and more and more each year. The more and more I think about what this actually means, the more I get fired up. So Resurrection Sunday next week. Uh, child care from birth to pre-K. Did I get that right, Jen? She's not here. I'm pretty sure I got that right. So birth to pre-K... Next week, Resurrection Sunday. And we'll be starting a new series next week. That'll be awesome. And then on April 11th, if you're new to Solstice, uh, we are having a sort of a newcomer's welcome. So if you're new in the last, you know, say, three, four, five months or whatever, we've never really done anything like this. So we want to include anybody who, who feels new to Solstice. But we'd love to get to know you, have an opportunity for you to ask any questions about who we are, what we do, why we do it, meet some of the team, that uh, our leadership team that functions here at Solstice. And that will be May, April, April 11th at 4.30. So we'll do it probably just right over here in this room or, or you'll, you'll find us. We'll be in one of these two spots here or there. Uh, and we'd love to feed you and just give you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about us. And we should have some sign-ups for that so we can, you can let us know that you're coming. Does that sound good? Sound good? All right. If you have your Bibles, open them. We're in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And this is just a wrap-up, essentially, of the series that we have been in for the last almost two months, a little over two months. It's been, uh, I think, nine weeks total, including this one. And uh, the series was entitled This Just In. And so tonight we're going to be uh, wrapping up and learning or going over some of the things that we've learned about the Beatitudes. So if you would stand with me, and we're going to read through this one more time in this series. <clears throat> this is Matthew chapter 5. Before I do that, um, one thing I did forget to fail to mention was uh, if you're new there's an opportunity for you to fill out some information on your uh, worship folders when you came in. And then as soon as I'm done um, reading this passage, we'll receive the offering and you can put that in there. There's bags on the aisles here. And uh, after we're done praying, you can just pass those to the edges. And if you get them, um, wait for Shine Jesus Shine at the end and you can bring those up to the front. Okay. So this is Matthew chapter 5. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Pray with me if you will. Heavenly Father, as we uh, look into this passage one more time tonight and try to glean some of the, uh, the big concepts and the, the big things that we see uh, from this passage, would you open our hearts and our minds and uh, thank you that you're the God who never changes, that you uh, were the same, you are the same as you were then and you're, you're the same as you always will be. We can count on you uh, and we appreciate that. We, we love you for that. We um, pray that as we look into the scripture, you would illuminate Uh, our hearts and our minds with your truth, God. We pray in your name by the power of your spirit. Amen. You can have a seat, and if you find an offering bag near you, you can pass those to the center. Uh, This is a little different tonight, like I said, because we're just going to wrap some of this up. And so uh, I wanted to start by doing this. Uh, We don't oftentimes have an opportunity for not necessarily Q&A, but more just kind of like response. And for you uh, as, as listeners and people who come and, and who worship here to share any of the things that you're learning or any of the things that you have learned. So I want to just open up the floor to, uh, we've been in this series for eight weeks. And if you're new, I apologize that this is new to you. But uh, for some of you that have been here for this series, um, maybe just some of the things that God has shown you or some of the insights that you thought were, were, were interesting, uh, some of the ways in which God has challenged you throughout this series. So just feel free to kind of, you know, raise your hand and shout it out. We're not going to use a microphone or anything like that. So some of the things that you've been learning over this series, this is your opportunity. Go for it. Anybody. It usually takes the first person to, you know, break the ice and then... Hopefully things roll from there. For the last eight weeks, I have poured my heart and soul into this series. And this is what we get? Honestly? Like we should do it over again. Nobody had learned anything. Nobody was challenged by anything. God wasn't here at all in the last eight weeks. I find that hard to believe. I can wait. Just work on my tight rolls here. Hey guys, how's it going? Come on in. It's kind of an awkward moment, so <clears throat> maybe you've learned something throughout this series because. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Yeah, Steve. Interesting. Thanks for being the first, Steve. I appreciate it. Others. 
Right. Absolutely. Some of the background being, of course, that Jesus is a first century Jewish teacher, right? He sits down to, t- to teach, which is really important. Usually when people want to say something authoritative, you stand up. But in this culture, when a, when a Jewish teacher would sit down, it sort of meant everybody listen up because what he's about to say is important. So that's just some of the stuff we covered. Yeah. Anything else you specific you're thinking of, Joel? As far as context and background? Yeah. Totally. Yep. Sons of God, of course, being this reference to Israel, right? And and they were, they were to be the inheritors of what God had promised. So you have this whole inheritance language and sons of God. Yep. What else? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Changes everything. Yep. Do you guys hear that in the back? Uh, basically, the difference between uh, the kingdom of God, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about some far-off distant land or some far-off distant experience, but he's talking about a reality that he offered and that was possible in and through him now and which is still possible here and now. So the kingdom of God idea doesn't always have to talk about, or, or I didn't think, I don't think ever really referenced some post-mortem reality after we die, which when you start reading heaven language in the Gospels that way, changes everything. Yep. What else? Yeah. 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 Totally. Very interesting there. Yep. You guys remember, I brought this out. I don't know if any of you can see this. If you haven't seen this, I would recommend coming up at the end. Uh, this was Blessed, Blessed Are Those Who Mourn. You remember this night where Jackie painted? Uh, she started with this beautiful picture of creation in Adam and Eve, and then uh, some masked man came in and ruined it, essentially. And then she, through the through the message, basically redeemed the, the, the portrait or the painting, the creation that she made into something new and something beautiful. Um, man, that was, for me, probably one of the most memorable and powerful uh, solstice worship experiences I've ever had. That was unbelievable. Anybody else? Yeah. Totally. Yep. The kingdom of Jesus is often a very upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. In order to make peace, you have to go into conflict, right? That's a bit different, a bit odd. We don't often think of it that way. Anybody else? Now that we're rolling, I don't want to stop you guys. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. Mm -hmm. The spiritual zeros, the those who have nothing to offer God. <clears throat> Anybody else? I have a note in my in my office uh, that somebody wrote me, and uh, this person just wanted to encourage me and say thanks for what you do, and wrote down like a year and a half's worth of sermons and not, you know, every single one of them, but just the big series and the ideas that, that were captured in each of those. And I just thought, for me, that was really meaningful. Um, so thanks for sharing a little bit about some of the things God was doing in your guys' lives through this series. Um, it's been just mind-blowing for me. Uh, you know, I study the Bible professionally, right? I'm a church person. I get paid to do church work. <coughs> Excuse me, I just coughed the wrong way into the microphone. <clears throat> but so, you know, I go to seminary and it's all about the Bible and all this kind of stuff. But then you come to a text like this and you, and you, and you read it again for the first time. And it's this amazing experience where God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, reopens doors that di you didn't even think existed and, and shows you things that you never saw in the text. And so I just get so pumped and so jazzed when uh, each week, you know, I kind of go back to my office and, and look at these texts and say, What's going on just below the surface, right? Uh, we started this whole series, and we basically said a couple things. That if we were going to understand Jesus, if we were going to understand this text, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, we can't take Jesus out of the first century context that he teaches in. So often when we read the scriptures, we extricate them from where they originally took place, and we, we infuse meaning into them that they were never intended to have. The whole idea of heaven is something where I would argue that's what's exactly what's happened. When Jesus says kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, when he's talking in that kind of language, he did not, I guarantee you, I would stake my job on it, he did not mean post-mortem reality after we die somewhere else. It was totally foreign to the Jewish mind. And so to understand Jesus, if we have any shot, we have to understand him in his original context. And part of our, our journey has been doing that. Um, so I really just have two thoughts for you tonight. The first is this. If we're going to sum up, if we're going to do an overview of the Beatitudes, and we ask the question, what is Jesus doing? Jesus, a huge crowd of people gather around him, and, and people are coming from far and wide. He's just healed a bunch of people in chapter 4 of Matthew. He crosses over a river, and he sits down, and there's people from regions uh, far and wide, and he begins to teach, what is he doing? At the, at the, at the end of the day, 50,000 foot level, what is Jesus doing when he gives the Sermon on the Mount? I would say this. Number one, first and foremost, Jesus is announcing something about the nature of the kingdom of God. He's coming and he's saying that the kingdom of God is among you, it's around you, it's within you, it's near you. And he keeps talking about this kingdom of God idea. And so if, if at, at, at nothing else, Jesus is saying, he's making an announcement, a declaration about the nature of the kingdom of God. And so last week we talked about this, this, this idea of a king who has a kingdom where his rule and reign happens. And so when Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God looks like, what he's saying is that this is what it looks like to live the way God intended us to live. This is what it looks like for God's hopes and dreams to happen and be worked out in and through creation. The kingdom of God. And Jesus makes an announcement, a declaration. He's not giving spiritual you know, how-tos. He's not giving a teaching on, do this, do this, do this, then you'll get God's blessing. It's not what he's doing. 
he announces something that's very counterintuitive. Remember the whole water skiing idea? In order to go up and forward, you have to sit back and, and stay down. Right? Totally counterintuitive. What Jesus says about the kingdom of God and about the way God works is counterintuitive. And it's a declaration. And to the people around, it's good news. It's amazing news. It's earth-shattering, groundbreaking news. So that's one thing I would say. At the, at the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, Jesus is announcing something about the kingdom of God. The second thing is this. The most commonly misinterpreted stories often come from Jesus. And often they come from the Gospels. When we misinterpret Jesus and when we misinterpret the Sermon on the Mount, this is what we do. Jesus comes and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in order to get the kingdom of heaven, you have to learn how to be poor in spirit. And it's this like spiritual scale that we make, and the poor in spirit is here. And if I learn how to be poor in spirit, then I get God's blessing. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. So in order to get God's blessing, in order to inherit the earth, I have to learn how to be meek. And I have to sort of push myself into this idea of how do I learn how to be meek so that I can get God's blessing and I can inherit the earth. Whatever that means at the end of the day, right? What does it mean to inherit the earth? I don't even know. But if I, I want it because Jesus talks about it. And so I have to learn how to be meek. And he says, blessed are... What's the next one? Those who mourn, right? I have to be sad. So somehow I've got to be sad in order to get God's blessing. Blessed are the so-and-sos. Blessed are the so-and-sos. Blessed are... In order to get God's blessing, I have to learn how to do these things and I climb this ladder in order to get God's blessing and whatever else he tacks on to the end of the passage. And more often than not... Am I going to feed... I didn't do that. We didn't try this, so... More often than not, what we get with passages like this in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, things that Jesus says, are, are, are certain things that we have to do in order to get God's blessing. And let me just remind you that if this is what Jesus is saying when he sits down in front of a crowd of people, this is not good news. Because this is exactly... What the world tells us about the way in which God works. I have to climb this ladder. I have to learn how to do these things in order to get God's blessing. In order to get God's favor. In order to get God's whatever. I've got to do these things and then I get God's blessing. And friends, that's not gospel. That's not good news. That's more law And it's exactly what the world tells us about the way in which God works. So when Jesus sits down in a a crowd of people and he begins to teach and he's announcing and declaring something about the way in which God works, he's blowing people's minds. He's saying, you've heard it said this, right? You've heard Jesus say this in the Gospels. He says it all. You've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Jesus is saying the way in which you, you see God 
the way in which you think God works isn't even close because God's blessing, the I am with you of God, the favor of God, the, the, the I am on your side of God is with the people who are poor in spirit. And the people who are poor in spirit have nothing to offer God. Zero. They're the spiritual nobodies. They're the spiritual losers, the dropouts. The, 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 the. You get my point. And so Jesus says, no. This isn't how God works. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. It's not a ladder that you climb. Because you can't do anything to get God's blessing. You can't do any kind of activity. You can't participate in any religious activity, any worship service, any rule book, any, any number of activities or disciplines or any of those things to get God's blessing for God to be on your side. No, Jesus says, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your zeroness, in the midst of your loserness, I am with you there. In the midst of your brokenness, where you think that all is lost, God says, that's where I show up. And that's where I'm with you. And I'm on your side there. And the blessing of God is there with you then. Jesus doesn't offer us a ladder. Rather, he casts a net. And I don't have like a cool net that you can throw. This is all I could find. But check this out. You may think that this is all the farther this reaches, right? Like, oh, I can't get to people, right? This is, this is what Jesus offers. Hold on. Jesus doesn't offer us a ladder that we climb up the top of, that we go tick by tick, stroke by stroke to the top of in order to get God's blessing. No, Jesus casts a net that is infinitely wide, that has the reach to get even the furthest away from the people who you would never think are even close to getting God's blessing or even close to the heart of the kingdom of God. This net has seen more 25-inch walleyes than anyone would care to know. So I won't, touch, I won't touch any of you with it, but Jesus doesn't offer us a ladder. He casts a net that is large enough and wide enough for anyone who has the sight to see or who has the ability to even understand how, how poor in spirit I actually am. And so if I were to say to you, Jesus, at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, if you were to get to it, what's he really doing? He's announcing something about who this God is and the way he works, and he doesn't give us a ladder. Friends, loved ones, this is the most common mistake religion offers the world. When the world looks at the church and they look at people who are religious or even spiritual and they look at the institution of the church, this is what we've offered. This is the picture, unfortunately, that we offer the world as far as this is how God works. And if we just do these things and get this together and then get this together, and, and we never say it explicitly like this, like you have to do these things in order to get God's blessing. But really, by the way in which we judge other people, 
and we exclude them from community and love, we essentially say, you've got to climb the ladder a little bit in order to get God's blessing, in order to get in the community. And I have a sneaky suspicion that this breaks the heart of God and enrages Jesus because it totally and utterly misses the point of the Beatitudes. He doesn't offer us a ladder. He casts a net that is as far as the eye can see to say anyone who has a pulse, anyone who's breathing, anyone who is created and has a self, the good news of Jesus that the kingdom of God has come into the world in and through a person named Jesus, he offers it to anyone who can hear and see what he's doing. And he says, later on in scriptures, we find... (laughs) Only fitting, right? (laughs) At 80s night. I'm going to pull out an overhead projector now and show you. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I have no idea what I was going to say. What did I just say? Help me out here. And I'm serious. What? Oh, you, you're not? Okay. Let's see what I wrote. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a ladder. It's a net, okay? <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week, everybody. And, and I'll close with this. So the Beatitudes, Jesus meets you in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your poor in spiritness, in the midst of your meekness, in the midst of your mourning, and he meets you there and announces the good news of the kingdom of God, and then he says, now go out and live that way, because when you've been encountered by God in that place, it changes the way you see the world, right? When you've been shown mercy at your lowest point, when everything else, when the bottom has fallen out... And you've been shown mercy and love and compassion and grace by a God who cares or through a person who is a follower of Jesus and God's using them to show you that. And you you experience that for the first time. It changes the way you see the world. And the way in which this thing kind of works is it's cyclical, right? Jesus meets you here in the midst of this and then all of a sudden you start to become a more merciful person. Not because you have anything good inside of you. Not because it's your doing. But because God has given you a new heart, right? He wants to take out this heart of stone that you have and give you a heart of flesh. And when he does that, you begin to your heart begins to beat for different things and you begin to see the world differently and you treat people differently and you do relationships differently and you become more merciful and you actually in some crazy way theologians call it sanctification which is the process in which god is making us into the people who created us to be you become more pure in heart and so on and so forth and so when jesus meets you here it requires you to respond and it requires you to live in a certain way because you can't actually experience mercy and grace and really truly experience it and then be a total jerkwad, because it changes your heart. And so I want to ask you this. This is where the rubber meets the road for this series. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have said yes to Christ, and Jesus has met you in the midst of your poor in spiritness, in the midst of your mourning, in the midst of your meekness, 
If Jesus has met you there and you've said yes to Christ, then my question to you is what are you doing to meet other people in those places? We just had a conversation about this the other night in a small group that I'm a part of. And the question was, let me ask you this. How many of you, by, by show of hands, don't be shy, okay? Raise your hands if this applies to you. How many of you have been frustrated by the church and by Christians in the world? Keep your hands up. Look around you. Okay? Now, take your other hand. Keep your hand up. Take your other hand and put it right in front of your face. And imagine that that's a mirror. And look into the mirror and ask this question audibly, if you would, please, all together. After I say it, then we can say it together. What am I doing to change that? Go ahead. Because we come here every week and we do this thing called church and, that, and yet somehow we walk out those doors and we do nothing to change the fact that we've been frustrated by the church, we've been frustrated by religious people who have given Jesus a bad name. Isn't that an 80s song? You give love a bad name? Isn't that a Bon Jovi tune? You give love a bad name, bad name. I played my heart and you played your game, darling. You gave love a bad name. <laughs> yes! That's off Slippery When Wet, by the way. I had it in cassette form in the sixth grade. So the question remains, my friends and my family members, what are you doing? What are we doing? What are you doing to meet people in the places that Jesus has met you? Because that really, at the end of the day, is what Jesus has invited us into as the church. To continue to be an ambassador, a representative, a spokesperson for the Jesus that we've met and experienced and who has changed our lives. Period. End. We demonstrate and we announce the kingdom of God. We demonstrate and announce, demonstrate and announce, demonstrate and announce, and then judge. Wait, I'm sorry. Nope, that's not part of the deal. Demonstrate and announce, demonstrate and announce. So how are you demonstrating that the kingdom of God is here, that this Jesus has met you where you are, and how are you announcing it with your life? As you leave tonight, as we go eat some really good pizza and tear it up at Skateville, that's the question I want to leave you with in this series. What are you doing? None of this earns salvation, okay? That's not what I'm talking about here. But what are you doing as a family? If, if, if this is a dinner table conversation, then have it. Dads, spiritual leaders, have it. Single people, look yourself in the mirror or get some people who you love around a table and say, how can we do something to actually live out the faith that we say we have in Jesus, that Jesus has met us in these places, and now let's go meet some people in those places. And declare and announce that good news is here. Because that is the good stuff. And that's when the kingdom of God continues to move on and advance in the world. So, yes, I've been frustrated. Yes, I'm upset. Yes, I'm saddened that the world sees Jesus this way. What are you doing, Micah? What are you doing to change that? To meet people in the places where Jesus has met you. What are you doing? Can you hear me now? Let's pray. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing one song that, you know, 
This is a bit more current, and then we're going to blast it off with Shine, Jesus, Shine. All right, so let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this series, for uh, our time together in the last couple months. Uh, Thank you for the honor and privilege it is that you've given to me um, to do this every week. And uh, thanks for for using me sometimes. Thanks for getting me out of the way other times and just saying what you need to say to this community. Um, God, as we think more deeply about the Beatitudes and just this totally mind-blowing, counter-cultural idea of the kingdom of God, that it's not about a ladder, it's not things that we have to do, it's not these steps that we have to take in order to get your blessing, but your blessing is here in the midst of our crappy decisions and in the midst of our messing things up, your blessing, your presence, your favor, you're with us there. God, thank you for that, because if it were up to us, we would be in a really bad shape, Uh, and yet your grace and your mercy supersedes that. It goes beyond that. Holy Spirit, would you empower this church, these people in this room, to, to meet other people in the midst of the places that you have met us, God? Would you use us? Uh, would you use our stories? Would you use the places that you've met us, the brokenness that we felt? Would you use that? Would you turn those ashes into beauty? Would you turn that darkness into light? And... Uh, and advance your kingdom, God. That's what we hope and pray for. Uh, that, that more and more and more people would be reconciled to you, their creator, and find the life that you offer uh, through the death and, and the resurrection of Jesus. We're so grateful, God. We pray in your name, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Why don't you stand and worship with us? I'll move this ladder for you guys. One of... Um one of the most, one of the strongest, if I can speak, things that God has given us is the community around us. And and through that, we go out into the world and we, we show the world um, who Christ is. And Jesus gave us um, the prayer that we all know as the Lord's Prayer. And there's power when we say the words together. And um, so we're going to sing those words tonight.